Hello, and welcome to the Make Money Mediating Podcast. I'm your host, Susan Guthrie, and I'm an attorney, mediator, trainer, keynote speaker, author, podcaster, social media influencer, technology junkie, consultant, and coach. And although I know that sounds like a lot, but what it really means to me is that I've found a way to make a living doing what I love and doing it in a way that lets me help others. So in this podcast, I want to share some tips and insights into helping you create the career that lights you up and pays your bills, whether that's as a mediator, attorney, collaborative professional, or really anything that you are passionate about. So I'll be chatting with some of the most successful and influential experts in all areas associated with building your practice, and I'll share my own thoughts and the lessons I've learned along the way. So come along on the journey with us and soon you'll have a practice that will let you make money mediating too. Hello and welcome to the Make Money Mediating Podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and today I have a special treat for you. I am joined by one of my friends and colleagues from so many different places, Harold, I'm not quite sure what to start with. We are friends and colleagues from California. We are both very active in the Southern California Mediation Association. We are both very active in the American Bar Association section of dispute resolution. And I can say that I have had the pleasure, especially in the past two years of working with you on a number of projects and programs for AAA and for the ABA, for for so many different places. So we're going to dive into Harold's background in a minute. But first, I just want to say thank you and welcome to Harold Coleman Jr. Thank you. Thank you so much, Susan. And I'll tell you the fact that you regard me as friend. That is a thing that just really resonates with me. And I regard you as a friend too, friend and colleague. Thank you so yeah. much. Uh, well, and I love that. And that's a true sign. One thing I just say to my listeners of the power of video conferencing, because yes. you and I have not had the opportunity to be in the same place now since, I, I have we seen each other since COVID? I don't think so. I think it's been pre-COVID since the last time we were in together and in person, but I've seen you so many times on this screen and I so enjoy all everything that we've been able to do. But I, I have always, you know, been an admirer of your work in the dis- dispute resolution field. And let me just give my listeners a background on you. So they, you know, I think especially in a podcast that is trying to help people build a successful practice, whatever they may define that as, it really helps to understand the background of my guests. So something for all of you to know, Harold is an award-winning, and when I say award-winning, he's really won awards for this, award-winning dispute resolution practitioner. He is an educator, a peace-building champion, He's also an attorney, arbitrator, mediator, conciliator, facilitator, teacher, trainer, speaker, writer, and conflict coach. He's he's pretty much the, the I, I usually say trifecta. I don't even know what that would be with all those different uh, titles after your <laughs> name, Harold. But Oh, wow. Well, and, and importantly, and where I think you spend a great deal of your time is your senior vice president for mediation at the American Arbitration Association, really the premier organization for dispute resolution in 
the U.S. in the world, really. I don't know yes, anyone who's yes. bigger or better. So privileged to serve in that role to really am, uh, Susan. It just gives us, gives me a very large platform in which to really do our thing in the, especially in the mediation space and be about this really, really awesome and serious work of peace building. And, and that's so wonderful that you say it as peace building. Woody, my, my business partner, Woody yeah. Mostyn, is always talking about we're helping to create the peacemakers of the world. And right. Right. And oh, that's yeah. really so much of what we do. And and you spend, I mean, for the past 10 years, you've served as the senior executive for mediation. And in that role, you're overseeing AAA's diverse mediation and professional development initiatives. So you spend a lot of your time teaching, training, and helping to create the peacemakers of AAA or promote them or to help them be what the best they can be. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do in that role? Absolutely, Susan. You know, education is really in the American Arbitration Association mission, essential to what we do, public education, professional development education, really, really helping the marketplace get a better understanding of what these different dispute resolution forums and vehicles and techniques are. And uh, we feel very, very strongly that the better educated the public is on what these, these forums are, you know, how they can be used to better our communities, better our businesses, better our schools, to better ourselves as individuals, it will make all of us just rise to the occasion and become better conflict resolvers, better conflict managers, indeed. So I do a number of things in that regard. You know, I oversee aamediation.org, which is our technology innovation, Susan, uh, which mission is to train both aspiring and practitioner mediators in both basic and advanced and industry-specialized mediation skills. We also connect them with a global community of ADR thought leaders and users and academics and other practitioners. And then thirdly, we help the consuming marketplace of mediators to develop and market their practices in a very robust online environment. In addition to that, I oversee a number of other initiatives at the association relative to mediation and diversity, really, really trying to give true, true meaning and breadth and depth to a diverse ADR field, you know, which is something that's so sorely needed and assist with just operating our various panels, our mediation panels, our master mediator panels, our regular mediation panels, consumer panels, you name it, everything to really help people to come to a point of agreement sooner rather than later and in a relationally, very important, relationally collaborative and stable. I'm just sitting here hearing all the things that you do. We've known each other for a number of years yes. now, had no idea all of those things that you did. And now I'm wondering, when do you eat and sleep? Oh, wow. <laughs> that, that is a, you know, actually during hours 25 through 36 of each day, Susan, I think that's the best way to put it. But you know what, that you and I have been collaborators for so many years now, and I've had such good fortune and really, really great times on the different things we've worked on together for, you know, different organizations, SCMA being one of them, ABA. And then you have helped us immensely at aamediation.org carry out our educational, you know, in initiative. 
the multi-party, multi-faceted, complex mediation training that we do, Susan, two full days long, 16 hours of credit. And wow, did you unpack that for us in the segments on technology and how to use it, technology utilization and how to really, really capture the best of it, especially when, as we enter the pandemic era. You were right there on the front lines and you helped us to launch what proved to be a very, very popular and useful series. So thank you for that. It's great partnering with you in this endeavor. That was, I have to say, one of my favorite trainings because yes. I, th I think the content was really timely for people, but the opportunity to work with you and our colleagues, De Dr. Deborah Dupree yes. and Mark Lassiter, who are two oh, more wow. of my favorites, who will also yeah. be on the show in the coming months. That that was That's a, a highlight in my training career. That was really a fun project. Well, I share in that sentiment. They are my, my faves too, along with you. And I said, well, how can we go wrong? with yeah. this kind of an all-star team. So thank you for all you have done uh, as a peace builder and to spread the message of peace and conflict management as you do in the various platforms, many platforms that you do. I, I, I keep in touch, I watch carefully the different moves <laughs> you make here and all for the better. Thank you, Sue. Well, I, I like to be out there on a lot of platforms yeah. and you know that's one of the things, one of the reasons I started this podcast is one of the things that's really important to me, and I know to you as well, is to support our colleagues yes. in finding success in their role as the peacemaker, because you can be the best peacemaker in the world, and that will help you find success, certainly. But you need to be able to sustain yourself in yes. whatever way that means is success. And I've talked about that on other podcasts. And Something I know you and I feel very strongly about as a key component to success in the field is the ongoing need to take trainings, to continue yes. to educate yourself and better yourself. And I could think of no one better than you to talk about this topic with. And I think let's just start out on that with why you think it's so critical you know, everyone thinks of co continuing education as something yeah. we have to do. And right. it's actually a benefit and bonus that we get to do, I think. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with you more, Susan. I just finished chatting with my children the other night about this need to really, really have a perspective that focuses on lifelong learning. As a matter of fact, I wish I could give attribution to the quote, but I can't find the original source. But it's been said that the key to learning is in not knowing. The key to learning is in not knowing. And you know, I got to tell you, Susan, I think as for mediation, which certainly for me is one of the toughest professional endeavors I've ever undertaken to get involved in somebody's mess, if you will, as sometimes referred to by invitation and to really, really create a rapport to where we can build trust and they can share some of the most personal aspects of their lives and we can really, really tackle the problems it requires that we not know, nor do we have to know, but it does require that we genuinely want to help first and need to have the skills and the tool sets to do just that. And that's where the training comes in. And I firmly believe, Susan, that especially with mediation skills training, 
that these skills have such high utility and they will never ever go to waste. Whether one ever mediates in the conventional sense or not, or the professional sense, can we, use, can we practice the art of not just active listening, but deep, really deep listening with every conversation we have on someone, with someone in the workplace, in the home, in our communities? Can we engage in curious questioning? Not the kind of questioning that's argumentative or designed to get you, you know, or gotcha, as we would mm -hmm. do in litigation, but rather the kinds of questions that really, really demonstrate, I'm interested in you, Susan, and what it is you have to say. And what can, you know, let, let's, let's, let's help create a culture for a learning conversation through these curious questions. And I believe those then present breakthroughs in terms of building relationships and then being able to move jointly towards solving the problem, or at least coming up with options by which we can really engage in exploration together. That simply takes some skill. And I don't know about you, I didn't invent any of this or make any of it up on my own, but someone taught me and I felt the need to apply it and felt that it really could, again, have very high utility in everything I do, whether I mediate or not. Can I use these things to better my relationships with others? And the answer has always been a resounding yes, Susan. Oh, it's, <laughs> there's so much in there that's, that's so wonderful because, you know, I think we we find ourselves i think of myself in a mediation room in that yes. place of trying to help you know i do divorce mediation i know you yes. do a lot of diverse different kinds of mediation more in that civil commercial space but but at its core we're in there trying to help people reach a resolution and end a difficult time in their life or end a difficult situation and sometimes as a practitioner i think everyone gets to this place where we sit there and we're the deer caught in the headlights because our yes. toolbox just ran dry. And so what yes. you just said about, you know, there a tool that we learn can never go to waste. Yes, we can use them in our lives, but we also can never have enough of them in our toolbox as practitioners, right? Absolutely, Susan. And just in that, I mean, think about it for a second. A lot of times, as especially as lawyer mediators, we think we always have to have the answer because we're trained that way. We're enculturated that way to... Uh, you, know, you listen to a question and you decide whether or not in a split second, whether or not you're going to object. And if so, on what basis or if there's a need to argue something to the judge. And, and, and there were trainers adversary model that really reinforces what's called quick thinking, thinking fast, thinking slow. You know, that dichotomy mm -hmm. has been much written about that. Whereas mediation really requires, for the most part, lots, lots of periods of thinking slow. We should be listening rather than talking. We should really, really be in the moment and getting into you know, the, uh, what, what it is and what's behind and underlying what it is someone's sharing with us and not necessarily being reactionary. We don't necessarily have to think fast all the time. Thinking slow can be help, helpful. There is learning in getting that much of the training, which is, you know what? It's kind of okay to be stuck sometimes. And you don't always necessarily have to right at the moment get unstuck, you know? We will, if we continue to work the process hard and demonstrate transparency and genuinely want to help, we will find and lead with a pathway forward. And it takes, you know, it takes training, it takes a lot of just coming to grips with ourselves in terms of why am I in this? Why am I doing this? Can I tell a real quick story, Susan, if you don't mind? I would love that. Uh, I just returned from New York and had the profound pleasure 
of conducting two-day training intensive for law students. It's uh, one of the outreaches of the American Arbitration Association. It's called the Diverse Student ADR Summit. And what we do is take second year and third year law students, and we really give them a realistic introduction into ADR over the course of two days. And we teach them on arbitration techniques, mediation techniques, but more importantly, we really have them grapple with the whys behind their doing what they're doing and the profession they're preparing for, the philosophy behind it, if you will. And I just finished sharing with them because many of them told me that wow, you know what, Mr. Coleman, I had never looked at it like this before. That really is the, the people part of this is so important. In law school, we're told that you know, effective lawyering is about what? Law, facts, and people. And then what they do is kind of focus on just the law and the facts. And we've seen this in practice, Susan, with counsel at mediation. It's about the law and the facts. And let's quickly get into an evaluation. Where am I wrong? And what's the strengths, et cetera? And we somehow, in my judgment, kind of miss really missed the mark because these processes, whether we're talking about negotiation, facilitation, mediation, conciliation, or even an adversarial process such as arbitration and litigation, these processes are first, fundamentally, and foremost about people. There are real people behind the law and the facts and the problems and all these things. And the last thing I share with the students, they said this so resonated with them was that every single legal dispute first begins as a human conflict. Mm -hmm. So why would we not appreciate, in a sense, celebrate our humanity and focus on that as the driving force behind everything we do in these really essential conflict management endeavors? Why would we not? Thank you for allowing me to share this. Fresh in my mind. New York. <laughs> well, and and it goes so deeply to the the theme of what we're talking about that education, mediation education is is really a lifelong journey and you're starting it with these students, you know, while they're still in law school and think about just in 2 days how yes. much their vision of even what they do as attorneys, if they go forth and yeah. become litigators, they've still brought the, the people and the person back into the lawyering. And I, and it makes me think about these programs that you and I have done with Dr. Deborah Dupree. Deborah, yeah. Deborah is a psychologist Absolutely. who is a dispute resolution professional. And every single time I have interaction with her, whether it be doing a program or just a conversation because she's another friend and we'll go out to dinner. I learned something about people and the psychology yeah. of people and the neurobiology of conflict. She's fascinating. And I pick her brain constantly. And that's another part of training, right? Training isn't just going in and maybe learning from you or me. Interdisciplinary trainings, which I know you are you know, such a fan of and, and do all the time, gives us that opportunity to bring so many different aspects into what we do as professionals. I know Woody goes and does, he's done conflict trainings and conciliation yes. training, teaching training, like education, teaching yes. to be a teacher, you know, anything that can help us do what we do. And I think that's something important for listeners to know. You can learn from a variety of different individuals and different disciplines and people coming from different areas that bring so much wealth and value to what we do with people. 
Absolutely, Susan. And I will tell you that uh, I'm a big fan of Dr. Dupree. And, you know, I had a good fortune this past year of co-mediating with her by her gracious invitation. She asked me to step into a case where it did have a legal component to it. So I was a mediator that brought that to the table, the, the law side of things. And of course, Deborah certainly did her thing on the people side, the relational side. And I'll tell you, it was really, really something to behold. I learned so much and we just learn from each other and share with each other. And the combination of the two is truly synergistic. It wasn't just Deborah's skill sets or whatever she brought to bear in mind. One plus one equals two. No, it was one plus one equals four, five, six, something like that. It was truly, truly synergistic. So I couldn't agree with you more. You know, and that just brings up the point, Susan, that, you know, mediation is a highly interdisciplinary conflict management endeavor. It truly is. Yes, much of it is about the law, certainly legal and uh, litigated disputes, but it's not only about that. And there are many pathways to it. And one of the things we, we really love to do at aamediation.org, and we're so effectively able to do through the fine contributions of yourself and Deborah, Mark Lasseter, and others, was make that training interdisciplinary to cast a wide net and in many respects focus on the common denominators that make for sound and effective and ethical mediation practice. Like I always like to say, Susan, we need not mediate perfectly. If we are honest people with ourselves and others, we'd have to admit we never have and we never will mediate perfectly, but that's not the standard. We need not mediate perfectly. We need only mediate effectively. And here's the key too, and ethically. And when we do, we bring high value to the process and really help people to, uh, again, find that pathway forward and eventually, hopefully, achieve cognitive peace from being able to exercise meaningful choices and then a decision that's in their best interest that will allow them to move forward. And that, in a sense, is what all of this is about to me. And, and you you state it so beautifully. I'm sitting here in my mind listening to you going, oh my God, that's a quote I've got to capture. You have such an eloquent and elegant way of of stating what we do. And I, as you were saying, you know, thinking about the trainings, I, I wanted to give some encouragement to listeners as well. One, to, to be constantly curious yeah. and taking trainings and seeking to add to their skill set. But another thing that I know from being a more junior trainer than you, I've really come to the training world in just the past three years or so. But one of the things that I see as such an effective approach to to attending a training for people is when they really throw themselves in to yes. fearlessly trying those new skills, say in a role play. And we know, right, Harold, everyone yeah. hates role plays. Yes. But aren't, <laughs> aren't they the most important part in some cases? If you can really try fearlessly some of those new skills, because it's much easier in that setting to try them with some colleagues than it would be to try them in your your first mediation with some some potential clients. And I totally and completely agree. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I just finished watching a Top Gun Maverick the other night. Yes. What a great movie it was. Saw it too. Yeah, yes. action act. And I've always been an aviation enthusiast. I like all things airplane, planes. I watch all those programs on TV. And I was just thinking, you know, these military pilots, you know, 
I mean, it's just absolutely amazing. And whether you're talking about military, you're talking about commercial pilots, they spend multiples of hundreds of times in simulator than they mm -hmm. do in the air, in actual flying. Why is that? So that when they have an engine flame out at 40,000 feet, they don't freak out. Things happen very instinctively for them because of the training. They automatically have a procedure they go through. They know how to diagnose quickly what's going on and what to do and what order and to try to get the plane back in level flight so that they can buy time and, and deal within the root cause of the emergency. And the same, I believe, is true of conflict resolution. And again, Susan, whether it be a non-adjudicative method, such as negotiation or mediation, or even if it be adjudicative, arbitration or litigation, we need to train not only to acquire skills, but, but the more we do this training, and we really, really get tried in several different harrowing circumstances, it builds confidence, and then it also allows us to hone that intuition that's necessary when you do have to think mm -hmm. and uh, make critical decisions and sometimes split-second decisions in terms of which course to go. And that is a byproduct of training and practice. So just as the pilots spend many more hours in simulator than they do in the actual aircraft itself at the flight deck. And I think that the, the analogy is, is spot on for what we do. We just don't get the cool outfits. Yeah, I uh, yeah. know. And the movie <laughs> deals and whatnot, exactly. But yeah. we certainly salute our men and women in, in the armed forces and all that they do. And you talk about training and, and the love for it mm -hmm. and the discipline to do it, whether I feel like it or not, is so critical, again, to the, the confidence building and then the effective delivery of the services that we deliver to help people in sometimes the most painful times in life, you know, the very difficult circumstances. Very. And, yes. and you know, this is all the, the ability to gather together with other colleagues to yes. learn. And, and we learn, I, I know you're like me in this, every time I take a training or do a training where I'm a trainer, I learn as much from the cohort Yes. And from my fellow trainers, as I'm ever able to contribute to the conversation. And it's making me think you and I have a wonderful one of our near and dear projects or programs coming up in just yeah. a couple of weeks, the American Bar Association section of dispute resolutions, advanced mediation and advocacy skills institute, you and I have been yeah. co-chairs together of this institute, I think for five, it's five yes. years now. Can you believe it? Five one. years. Yes. No, I actually can't. The, <laughs> the five years have gone by quite quickly. And this one's just, it starts on December 1st. And, you know, one of the hallmarks of this institute has always been that we have, first of all, an amazing faculty of some of the top, including you, of some of the top, you know, trainers and, and thought leaders in the field. But we also, after every plenary program, substantive mm -hmm. plenary program, we have breakouts yes. where participants have a facilitator, a thought leader facilitator, but also all the participants get to share. And don't we always hear that those are the highlights for so many people in the institutes? Oh, we sure do, Susan. The breakouts are where 
where things can really be unpacked. And then that simulator we talked about. Yes. Students get to take it for a test drive. And then there's a, so many periods of reflection where, you know, they have an opportunity to really think about, okay, you know, have I had this issue arise before? Or if I did, what would I do, et cetera. And then the, to share best practices is so huge. I have thought that was just so innovative on the part of the ABA to structure this advanced training this way. And you know, Susan, we've always endeavored to make even the plenaries very interactive. So everybody has voice. And I love the fact the way these are structured, these plenary sessions, each with a distinct focus. You know, we have a technology focus, an international focus, a marketing focus. And then we mm -hmm. have substantive skills focuses. This year, we're dealing with uh, really going to hit very hard past management both from the emotional perspective, drivers of impasse where people are emotionally, and then from the analytical perspective, from a, a technical uh, analytical tools perspective. Okay, you know, what about decision trees? What about bracketing proposals in the negotiation phase? And what about other analytical techniques to move past impasse, what I like to call to manage impasse? And we're going to feature those this year. And we're so excited about that. The other thing I'd like to share, Susan, briefly is we're so proud of the association of our partnership with the American Bar Association, certainly the largest association of lawyers in the world and the oldest, you know, while the American Arbitration Association is the largest and the eldest of all of the dispute resolution providers. And just as with, with the AAA, you know, our central focus is education that perfectly aligns with the uh, ABA, which mm -hmm. central focus is again, both member and public education. And hence this wonderful multi-day advanced, truly advanced level training institute that you and I have had the good fortune of collaborating on as co-chairs and being a part of. I'll tell you, it just doesn't get much better than that. It's it's really it's really one of the premier events for yes. the dispute resolution field, and I want to mention to our advocates and and you know litigation brethren out there as well. This is really an, a learning event and opportunity from both sides of that fence, so that we all can do what we do better. So I want to make sure that you know, people understand it's, it's mediation and advocacy skills, because we can all learn and from each other, again, you know, what better way to do that. And you are actually going to be leading both of the panels that are that are touching on impasse. I have to tell you, I am right. so looking forward to that. I know, Dr. Deborah is on the panel. And I think Bill Eddy, the yes. illustrious Bill Eddy is the also there. The illustrious Bill Eddy. Yes. So looking forward to working with Bill again. Wow. And just, you know, I got to tell you, Susan, I saw him at SCMA this year and yes. workshop on difficult mediations and working with difficult people. And all I would say is, and this is not overselling, I would say to my colleagues, let's not miss this golden opportunity coming up in December because he is going to and has reframed how we look at conflict and the skills we can use as mediators. And it's just absolutely fascinating when you hear Bill unpack that and the science behind it and the art behind it too. So, I, you know, again, we learn so much, Susan, from our so colleagues with whom we have the good fortune of co-presenting with. What a what an illuminating, inspiring episode. 
It's it's going to be such an event. I'm just going to mention, we also have, I'm quite excited, Ken Cloak is one of our keynotes. Yeah. And Alexandra Carter, who wrote Ask for More, the Wall Street Journal bestseller. So I, I unfortunately and fortunately, it's a virtual event, so I won't get to see you in person again. But I am going to, I'm really, really looking forward to the event and seeing you on the screen again, seeing all of our friends and colleagues. For anyone who's listening who would like to attend, I will put all of the information about registration in the show. And I just, I encourage the listeners who are listening to this podcast so that they can build a successful practice, however you define that. One of the keys of success is that, as Harold said, you're always curious and you're in yes. the, the place of not knowing, right? The key oh, to yeah. learning is not knowing. Yeah, I think that is so, so very true. If I had heard that earlier in my life, it may not have resonated. But now I'll tell you, it truly, truly does. Because it will precipitate, uh, precipitate a search for knowledge and wisdom and truth, if you will, that is very pure and uh, can really drive us to be our best selves and to genuinely, truly help others so desperately in need of our help. And there's a whole new kind of success. So I yes. thank you so much for sharing with my listeners, Harold. And I, I look forward to seeing you on the screen in two weeks, two weeks from today as we take yes. this. I'll see you at the Institute. Thank you, Susan. The pleasure is all mine. And we'll get back to one of these days. We'll go get a live one going on, maybe in 2024 and, and continue Absolutely. our dialogue. Absolutely. And just for anyone who wants to reach out to Harold for any information on AAA mediation, AAA, I will have his contact information and his full bio for those of you who have about an hour of time to read uh. all of the information <laughs> on my illustrious colleague and friend. But Harold, thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Susan. Thanks for listening in on this episode of the Make Money Mediating Podcast. I hope you got some great insights and tips on creating your dream practice. Join us every week on Thursdays for a new episode. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss anything. And if you're enjoying the podcast, here's a shameless ask please consider giving it a five-star rating and tell us in a review what you find most helpful. It's honestly the best way for others to find the show so that they can make money mediating too. I'll see you next week.